I'm Phil Rickaby, and I've been a writer and performer for almost 30 years. But I've realized that I don't really know as much as I should about the theater scene outside of my particular Toronto bubble. Now, I'm on a quest to learn as much as I can about the theater scene across Canada. So join me as I talk with mainstream theater creators you may have heard of, and indie artists you really should know, as we find out just what it takes to be stage-worthy. If you value the work that I do on Stageworthy, please consider leaving a donation either as a one-time thing or on a recurring monthly basis. Stageworthy is created entirely by me, and I give it to you free of charge with no advertising or other sponsored messages. Your continuing support helps me to cover the cost of producing and distributing the show. Just four people donating $5 a month would help me cover the cost of podcast hosting alone. Help me continue to bring you this podcast. You can find a link to donate in the show notes, which you can find in your podcast app or at the website at stageworthy.ca. Now, on to the show. My guests this week are SummerWorks Artistic Director Michael Caldwell and Managing Director Morgan Norwich. They joined me to talk about their first festival together as Artistic Director and Managing Director, their relationship with the SummerWorks Festival, what makes SummerWorks unique, and much more. Here's our conversation. Each of you would introduce yourselves and just say your name and your title. Uh, well, I'm Morgan Norwich, and I'm the managing director of SummerWorks. And my name is Michael Caldwell, and I'm the artistic director at SummerWorks. Great, thank you. I think where I'm going to start is um, many, many years ago, um, I did do a show at SummerWorks, and this is like early, 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 because I'm an old man. It's early, early, early in the days of of summer works before there was a, ever it had it was anything other than a first come first serve festival at the time it was really sort of a, a fringe festival part two and i'm wondering if you could describe for me what it is what it what is summer works and what makes it more than just the fringe festival part two one of the things that Michael and I have got to do since starting here is really like learn the history of the festival quite a lot. And it it did start as Fringe Festival Part Two. We uh, we met one of the founders recently and had lunch with him. And uh, he told us about how he and some friends uh, didn't get into Fringe and they had a bunch of shows they wanted to put on. And so SummerWorks was born just a couple of years after Toronto Fringe was. Um, however, I think over those 33 years, it's uh, evolved and changed and a lot having to do with who's been in charge of it. Um, because the Fringe does what it does so very well. Um, and I think, uh, I don't I don't think there was a, a fringy gap to fill uh in the city. And I think that um 
I think that where SummerWorks kind of comes in is uh, a smaller um, and more uh, experimental, I guess, uh, model. And that's sort of how it's come to set itself apart. Yeah, and I, I would add, um, first of all, I love, Morgan, what you said when you said fringy kind of gap. But really, I think SummerWorks, yeah, has evolved. It's been a very dynamic festival, um, and we've moved towards guaranteed fees, um, and that happened just in the last five, six years. Uh, it moved from sort of pay-to-play model into what is now just guaranteed fees for artists from the outset. Um, and also, SummerWorks is a curated festival. Um, it's it's unique in that sense, in that there is a curatorial um, vision and scope, there are guest curators sometimes, there are curatorial committees that really assess the work that's coming in, and and that's how we program the festival each year. Now, how long, I mean, like like, like Morgan was saying, the uh, the 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 focus, the vision of, of, of summer work sort of changes depending on who's, who's running it. Um, how do you see um, where the two of you will take summer works because you guys, you guys started in what March? Yeah, March first. Started March, yeah. Yeah. So you guys started in March. The festival is looming like a mountain, but of <laughs> coming quickly. Um, and so I imagine that it's hard to put your mark on on SummerWorks quite that soon. But where do you see your vision for SummerWorks and uh, moving forward once once you know you had this first festival under your belts? Oh, we don't know. Yeah, I know. I was going to jump in and say the exact same thing. <laughs> oh, Part of it, Phil, is that we we sort of, I don't know, we, we never really spoke about it, Morgan, in, in, a, in like very specific terms, but I think both of us want to sort of live this festival first and experience it in the way that it sort of has been done previously. And that not only includes the festival itself in August, but all the preparation for it. So we're sort of moving through the steps that we were we were um can't think of the word but we were the steps that we learned um when we first started in march we're we're living those steps so then we can make a more sort of informed decision about like yeah what we might want to change how we might want to shift the scope um you know it, it also help inform you know artistic and curatorial vision and how we want to move, move forward there as well so yeah we, it's like you have to experience the thing first to really understand yeah. it, I think. so. And we've been set up really nicely um, in that when we came in, uh, we came into a mostly fully programmed festival, um, which was, you know, intentional uh, on the part of the organization, knowing that it was a transition year. Uh, so they have a team of guest curators uh, come in to program the festival. So it's just about us um Stewarding it, I guess, is the word that um, that makes the most sense to me, and uh, uh, pulling all the pieces together and making it happen. Awesome. Now, for each of you, I'm really curious what your relationship to SummerWorks was prior to, to to taking on these roles. First and foremost, my relationship to SummerWorks was as an audience member. Um, it was, I think, for me, one of the very first festivals that I encountered when I moved to Toronto and graduated from dance school um, years ago. Uh, and it was really fun. It was a really fun moment to 
to be in the city and to be gathering in different kinds of theatrical and performative spaces with folks. Um, and then I believe it was 2020, maybe 2021, I was part of the Artist at Work series at SummerWorks, which was um, one of those, you know, coined phrases, pandemic pivot <laughs> um, to online and digital work. And so I did a bit of an Instagram takeover for one day, just sharing bits of my practice. Um, and then I've just been really close colleagues with Laura Nanny, the previous artistic and managing director, um, and have known a, a lot of artists in the past. So I've just been sort of tangentially kind of aware of SummerWorks and really a big fan for a very long time. Morgan? Yeah, um, I I guess I came to SummerWorks first as, a, as an artist. Um, uh, I think the first SummerWorks I did was back when I don't know what the year was Franco Boni was um the artistic director at the time and I think uh I've done work in the festival every couple of years um after that uh, right up until uh I directed um the show called Redheaded Stepchild uh which is Johnny Walker's uh solo sort of what became known as a fringe hit, um, but really started at SummerWorks. Um, and uh, so I, lots of involvement as an artist. And then over the years, um, I had sort of come in and out as a, as a staff member, uh, doing the kind of producing and admin work that uh, that I that I do, that I that uh, have been sort of part of my career path. And um and also uh, have learned a lot over the years from Laura Nanny and a variety of different um, uh, settings that we've worked together. Uh, so it, there was a there's a logical um, landing place here this year that feels really good. I did not know that Redheaded Stepchild started at Summer Work. Yeah, to me, to <laughs> me, it was it was it was. Uh, it was a fringe show. That's where it made all its money. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> um, that make it sound like that show is a real cash cow. Uh, you, so, did, you did. You did somewhat unfairly ca just categorize it as something that made you bundles and bundles of money. Well, I it's just we're now you're rolling right. in it from that. Um, no, but it was. You know, I think we we premiered it at SummerWorks. Uh, and going from there, uh, we're able to find touring life for it um, through the calf circuit. But I think, um, you know, I think even even now when you talk about touring in the country, um, there's a lot of work that starts or moves through summer works that goes on to have that kind of life, whether it's on the fringe circuit or um, I sort of other um other festivals that happen across the country that aren't part of that circuit, but it is, you know, it's a launching pad that way. Yeah. And that's been something I would say, like just starting the job in March 1st and starting to connect and engage with different kinds of artists. You know, every time I have a conversation with someone new that I'm meeting for the first time, they often say, Oh, I had a show at SummerWorks. Oh, I started this at SummerWorks. Oh, this show happened at SummerWorks or was supported by SummerWorks. It's been, it's been quite an amazing, um, revelation that so much artistic work and so many artist journeys have passed through the organization and the festival over the years. It's been really kind of great. I have a question that might be 
uh, I don't even know how smart this question is, but um, I have heard um, people refer to SummerWorks as more of a of a, of a festival that uh, the industry pays pays more attention to, is more invested in, and, and follows more. Whereas Fringe, uh, sometimes you know people pay attention if there's a big hit, but it's not something that the industry pays much attention to. Um, but that that you know sort of the public does is that a mischaracterization or is that is is the do you feel like the theater industry in Toronto um, is more involved in in summer works? Um, I would say like my my main if I was I'm just going from observation. Yeah. Like everybody's on vacation, regardless. The um, fringe or Starbucks. I think that's the big thing. Um, you know, I think um, I think people who are there will be people who look for stuff at Fringe because that's um, usually more comedy or. Um, based stuff like that like there are people who will go to both and i think that there are people who will know what they like to see at fringe uh, and know what they like to see at summer works and but for the most part like if i was to talk about the industry specifically people are out of town man <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> they're gone um, i think but i think both fringe and summer works are in um mm kind of in the, the same summer vacation boat. Um, and I think it's more about, uh, you know, maybe where that outreach is happening for each festival to try to get, you know, those who are around to come out. I mean, I have, I have a bit of another thought around that, um, yeah. in that, in that a lot of my work previous to summer works has been, um, you know, as a, as a dance artist and, a choreographer, but also as still as a curator and presenter and working with different organizations and festivals and having the good fortune to travel a lot with those organizations to see work both nationally and internationally. And, you know, when I'm having conversations, uh, you know, let's say somewhere in Europe or somewhere in, in Asia, you bring up the name SummerWorks and people know what it is. People and people have good feelings about what that is. Um, so it, I would say it is quite known um, as an entity in sort of different circles in the industry. Um, and I do think a lot of folks come to the festival. There's a lot of industry folks that still do come to the festival each year um, to see work and to understand, you know, what's happening right now. What's the new pulse of what's happening in contemporary performance? Who are the artists that are really pushing boundaries? Um, and, and it may not be about the work specifically, but it's about meeting some of those artists that are really um, on the on the front line and front edge of, of what's happening right now in the industry. So yeah, it's it's. I think it has a really great reputation. Um, again, it's all perceived from the outside. I don't really quite know on the inside yet, but it feels it feels really juicy. I have to say. Hmm. And I am being somewhat facetious. Yes, but if you're people do travel. It's true. If they're out of town, we're um, on vacation. And I, I think that the other part of that too, a little bit, is. Um, you know, uh, people are out of town and with SummerWorks being a bit smaller um, and people being so busy and planning their summers, um, I think it's 
it's sometimes a little bit easier to hone in on what you might want to check out um, or the artists that you might want to uh, encounter or get a look at what they're up to at SummerWorks. Thank you both for that. Um, I, I mean, I have to admit that since my one show that we, that was at early days of of SummerWorks, um, I don't have a history with SummerWorks in the same way that I do with Fringe, either as a performer or more, more, more as a, as a, as an audience member. Um, what would you say to someone like me to? encourage them what 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 would i need to know about summer works that would that would sort of like be the thing that 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 makes me come to a summer works festival show granted that that might not be a fair question for me what has always been so enticing about summer works and again i'm sort of speaking as an audience member or someone that's just been going to shows over the years is yeah, the fact that you're really seeing um, something that's quite curated, something that has an overall vision um, to the overall festival. Um, and that's really exciting, I find. Um, there's the four streams of programming that are put forward at SummerWorks, which basically create this little ecosystem or ecology of how sort of different folks can engage in, in work. So there's presentations, which are fully developed. There's labs, which are, you know, works in crucial stages of development. There's public works, which interface with um, public space, and then the exchange, which is a lot about professional development and industry series. And so you can really, um, as an audience member, weave through work in so many different ways so that it's not just about seeing a finished, polished product. You're also seeing work happening live and in space. And often as an audience member, you can really be engaged in that. And I, I love that. I love, personally, I love work in progress. I love studio showings. I love process. I love the creative act. Um, and that's Really, what I what I love about SummerWorks is 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 that you can you can really encounter a lot of that. Um, yeah, and just to comment um, previously on something as well, it's you know that now that we move to guaranteed fees, which I think yeah. is a really great step for SummerWorks, um, we just don't have the capacity to put forward eighty shows, um, which I think was where SummerWorks was at at a certain time in the past um, when it when it was more. You know, you pay you pay an entrance fee and, and those kind of things to be a part of the festival. Um, so I think because it's smaller, you now get a more intimate um, encounter with the artists, with the work in a way that um, I think is really great and speaks to this sort of moment we're all in the world where I think we're looking for ways to connect again, um, ways to um, be in dialogue with one another that um, we can share space with one another. And and I think this sort of more intimate feel of the festival is is something that's really, really great as well. Thank you. Morgan, do you have anything to add to that? I was just thinking about how nice that is. Uh, <laughs> how the, way, the way you described it, Michael. Because, yeah, I think, and I really do think, like you said, that the, the move to guaranteed fees made a lot of sense uh, for summer works in uh I think just in that when you take that pressure off of the um off of the artists and off of the creating um you know the creative collaborators uh and and let summer works say we're gonna we're gonna sell your tickets 
um, you just you just make your art and we'll um, we'll do what we can to provide the container for that. Um, I think there's uh, there's a little more room for experimentation uh, that comes out of that that makes the work exciting. And I think the other thing too is when you know when it is uh, when Summer Works was of an eighty show festival uh, or you know uh, looking at fringes that are eighty show festivals. There's um there is a level of a different kind of care that we as an organization can provide um, the artists making the work that's a little more specific um, and can be a can differ a little more from year to year because um, because there aren't as many other factors you know there's not 79 other shows um that all need to run like clockwork together to make the festival what it is we have a little more wiggle room thank you um i would like to talk a little bit about about the process um that brought you the two of you uh to summer works um and you did not come as a package deal you were in fact, I think you didn't meet until you started at the job. Yeah, we we met when we were both. So we both went through separate hiring processes for our individual positions. And then I believe, Morgan, correct me if I'm wrong, we were both offered our jobs. And then it was sort of revealed to us that, in fact, the other person was the other person in the job. And I think we both said, great, thank you for this offer. Let's can I meet Morgan? Can I meet Michael? And actually, yeah. and actually like, you know, get to know who I'm going to be spending pretty much every day of my life with for the next, yeah. I don't know, however many years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we met, we met before March 1st, but it was after we were offered the positions um, that we started to, to just meet and talk a bit more regularly. Did, did, was this something that, that, I mean, I, being in, 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 in leadership in an arts organization is something that I think for some people, they didn't expect for themselves. Um, for the two of you, is that something that, that if you had five years ago, would you have dreamed of that? Was that something you were pursuing or is it something that just sort of like came and the opportunity came and, and, and sort of fell into your lap? I think for me, it's a, a little bit of both. Um, you know, uh, I think there there is a particular career trajectory that I'd been on, both from working with festivals um, and also working in a like an art service organization capacity. Um, and you know, the pandemic came and turned a bunch of stuff upside down. Uh, and like, I really don't think about a year before uh, I applied for this job that. Uh, that this was the path that I was coming back to. Um, so it's, it's, it's great that that is what happened. Uh, but, but definitely, uh, definitely I, I took a detour in there as well. Yeah. I would say that my, the way I'm built, <laughs> my mind, my body, my spirit is, really attuned towards organizational leadership um, so much so. And I should have maybe shared this story earlier when you asked the previous question, but uh, when I was at the school Toronto Dance Theater in a dance training program, 
uh, we had a one particular course called Career Paths. And part of that course was to learn about different kinds of careers you could take, different ways you can move through different kinds of industries. And one of the questions that was put forward by the instructor was around, you know, what, where do you see yourself in five, 10 years, uh, even further afield than that? Um, and in my mind, I, I said to myself, oh, I would love to be an artistic director and I would love to be an artistic director of a festival. And that festival would be great if we're multidisciplinary, like live performance. Oh yeah, summer works would be great. And I actually said that out loud to the, to the classroom is that I would love to be the artistic director of summer works way back in 2005. And, hmm. um, and here we are, it's been manifested. Manifested it. Yeah. I don't know how it, that happened. I, you know, who knows? And it was a very circuitous route to get here, but I think, hmm. um, yeah, I, I really have, um, yeah, envisioned an artistic director position at a festival for a long time, and it's great to be in that position now. When this episode airs, um, it'll be just before uh, Summer Works starts, about a week before Summer Works starts. Right. And so I'm curious about if there are things that, that, that uh, somebody who's looking at tickets, like what are some of the highlights? What are things that people should, should keep an eye out for in this year's festival? There's a number of things. Um, I would put forward um, a beautiful work called The Seventh Fire, um, which is by Leva Cook's, Lisa Cook Ravensbergen from Vancouver. Um, it's an immersive audio experience, an audio performance, where for about 80 minutes, uh, as an audience member, you're able to go into a space, uh, sit, stand, lie down, move in a space as you wish, and really immerse in a beautiful story, um, an Anishinaabe creation story that really um, brings forward uh, uh, brings forward indigenous ceremony uh, and sound and story as a way to tap into ancestral realms. It's a beautiful, calm, gentle work um, as Jiv Paris Ram puts forward uh, in their curation and curatorial statement. It's it's something that right now after all this turmoil and all this kind of strife that we've been through with the pandemic and all things that are still happening in the world, it's nice to be able to slow down. It's nice to be able to have something that's gentle, um, in the space, something to absorb. And so I think it's going to be a really beautiful work. It's happening in Aki studio, um, at Universe and Daniel Spectrum. Um, and there's 14 performances. So there's a really great chance to dive into that work. Um, and come back again if someone wants to as well to listen to it once more. And when they go with one that I'm excited for, I'm excited for um, a lot of stuff, but thinking about, oh, which ones might you want to like grab your ticket to early? Um, the uh, a, a duo called We Quit Theater um, from Winnipeg, who've been at uh, Summerworks before, have. Um, a show called and it's a long title uh it's i am your spaniel or a midsummer night's dream by william shakespeare by gislina patterson um and it's uh it's wild at all uh for summer works to be presenting uh anything to do with shakespeare uh and i think this is um this is going to be this kind of wild performance lecture um 
tear down uh, of the that work, and there's uh, a splash zone. Uh, it's it sounds like it's uh, like they're really going to take some of those exciting risks that you get to see at SummerWorks, and I love that. Um, you know, you could go at the the next day to uh, Dream in High Park and see Midsummer Night's Dream uh, in a completely different way. So I think, and it's got a small capacity in there. So I think, I think that's one to watch. Yeah, I would just jump in to say that the the lab programming this year, by virtue of the two curators mm-hmm. being more immersed in dance, they come from more of a dance background and milieu. Um, their lab entirely is is about movement and dance and different practices and how they intersect with other disciplines so you know there's something like double which is lilia leon arts um that's a really great movement piece a duet that has a lot of exploration of language and video and they're really looking to have to engage with an audience to understand more about how that that those different aspects coming together work piece that they're offering um, there's Ballroom 2, which is diving into the ballroom community. Uh, three artists from the Kiki Ballroom scene in Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal coming together for the first time to basically take over the top floor of the theater center for a couple of evenings. Um, and you can move around the space and just see what they're working on. Um, it's, yeah, there's a lot of really, really beautiful things in, in the lab that I think are quite juicy. Um, I love that word. Juicy is one of my favorite words because <laughs> I, I, just, I just love the sensorial nature of that word. Um, mm. And I think, I think really that's also what the festival is offering this year is a lot of just explorations of different, the different senses um, mm. and, how, and how that really is a gateway to, to how we experience things. You know, how a smell can take us back somewhere when we were a child, how a taste can really remind us of, of another person that we haven't seen for a long time. And I think the festival this year really dives into senses in a, in a really interesting way as well. Now, I would love to talk to each of you about um, your, your journey, sort of the journey that got you to this place, but really more about your theater origin story, like the thing that made you... Uh, uh, decide that theater was the thing that you were going to do. Um, I do want to start with 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 Michael because I know that you were born and raised in Pittsburgh yeah. and somehow have found your way uh, to uh, Toronto. Mm-hmm. And so what is that? What's what started your journey towards theater and why did you ultimately choose Toronto? Yeah. Oh boy, how do I <laughs> encapsulate this in a short story? Um, yeah, so growing up in Pittsburgh, I was born and raised there, and um, I came from a, you know, a not well-to-do family, I would say. So, um, though I had an interest in theater and in dance and music and wanted to take lessons of all kinds, uh, my family really didn't have the financial capacity to support that. Um, so it was really through what was offered as extracurricular activities um, in both middle and high school that I sort of dove into theater. Um, I ended up being part of each musical that was performed every year. I was part of show choir. I was part of a steel drum band. I was the drum major of my marching band. Um, I just, yeah, I just dove into any kind of performative, creative, artistic endeavor that I could and what was what was offered by my school, um, which was 
thankfully a lot. There was a lot of really great activities that were offered. Um, and so it was through that that I had a passion also for film. So um, our high school built a um, TV video production um, studio in the, in the high school, which was kind of amazing. Um, and so I started that. And then that led me to start to move to Syracuse University um, and pursue a bachelor's degree in film. Um, at the same time, I picked up art history as a second major and I graduated with those two, um, those, that degree and that double major in art history and film. And then I was looking for ways to bring those two disciplines together in a way that I could move forward. And I was looking for jobs. I was looking for master's degree programs and the, the University of Toronto Museum Studies master's program was a great fit. I, I applied. I, and that's how I made my way to Toronto. Uh, I went to U of T for one semester and then I quit. <laughs> um, it just was not the, the university for me. It was not the right timing for me. It was not the right program for me. Um, more to do with where I was at personally, I would say, than anything else. Uh, and then I remember the day I, I was like, you know what? I want to I wanna go and take dance class. Because at that point, I had not taken a dance class previous to, to that. I was 22, 23. And I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google Toronto Dance School. And the School of Toronto Dance Theater was the first thing to pop up in my Google. They, they had evening night classes, I, and they were in contemporary dance, which I was interested in. I decided to go, went to night classes, uh, went from level one to level two. And I also remember the day when the two the teachers uh, cornered me in the small hallway at the Winchester Street Theater and, and said very intently, staring directly at me, you must audition for this school. <laughs> I said, okay, I will. And so then I auditioned, I got in and went for three years. And that's, that's the sort of very short, long story about how I got into the performing arts professionally. Um, and then, yeah, I've been just since 2006, just been working mostly in dance circles, but also passing through theater, different kinds of performance and music as well. Um, and working mostly in Toronto, but in other places as well. Did, did you literally just wake up one day and decide dance was the thing you wanted to try or had there been something sort of like drawing you towards that previous to that? Yeah. In all the musicals that I was a part of when I was younger, I always, always, always was cast as the guy that was dancing with all the, all the girls. <laughs> I was the one that was like, Michael, can you, can you lift this person? Can you also do what they're doing? And I could do what they were doing because I had musicality and flexibility, which are like, you know, the main and rhythm, the main three main things that you need to, to just dance and move. So I was always put in that position and I loved it. I really... I loved expressing myself and moving through my body. So it, it, it really brought me a lot of pleasure and joy. So, um, yeah, it was just sort of a natural progression that led, led from there, um, forward to where I am now. Hmm. Morgan, what, uh, what's, what is your origin story? What, what started you on this path? Um, yeah, so when, when I was young and I was a child, I was, uh, extremely painfully shy. Um, I I hid behind my mom's leg. I uh, I was extremely uncomfortable uh, being in front of around people, and so she sent me to YPT, um, 
drama classes to uh, really just like build up my self-confidence. Um, and and it just kind of took. Uh, and so as I, you know, as I was quite young, I was like maybe six. And as I carried on, um, it, it just became, there wasn't anything else that I could do. There wasn't anything else um, that I wanted to do as much as, uh, you know, what I was a kid perform. Um, and then uh, th- that was, I don't know, it's not as exciting because that was just kind of it. Hmm. Uh, and, it, you know, I tried to do other things uh, and I'm not any good at it. But I don't- what I I think you know how I got into this sort of um, producing or administrative uh, path uh, was you know when I was out of university and we were all I started for my money jobs um, you know my uh, my day jobs I got work in performing arts organizations because the goal was well I'll see I'll learn how to do this here and then I'll go and apply it out, um, you know, in my in my independent theater company uh, and making the work that I want to make uh, and just sort of uh, as time went on, it became, oh, actually, maybe I'm a little bit better uh, at um, and maybe I'm uh, a little more excited about, if I'm being honest, uh, the the producing side of of things and so that's that's just kind of where that path went and it led me you know on a uh on a fringe circuit and it led me to go to edmonton for a couple of years uh and and learn that there's which i think was really one of the first times that i was like oh there's lots and lots of theater in this country outside of toronto um and you know being able to come back with that uh knowledge of what other people are doing uh in this country um i think uh i think has really served me well coming into this role as a as a as a child who who you know very young that really was was deciding had basically found like oh this is the thing i'm good at as you were growing up when people said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you said, I want to be an actor or I want to do this. How do people react to that? Did everybody sort of like, was there a time when people were like, okay, that's fine when you're a kid, but now you have now what's, what's the real thing? Was there pushback at all? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, abs- absolutely. There was, but there, you know, I think it was hard for, hard for my parents to, want to be really supportive of it but also um you know i think for i think for parents and families of kids who like know that they want to um go into an art uh or and especially something as precarious as theater or performing arts they're just really scared um and uh so i i think uh, and, and risk averse. So I think there was a lot of, you know, in terms of where I was going to go to school mm-hmm. and what 
uh, you know, the old something to fall back on uh, right. uh, phrase. Um, the most supportive thing that I go from a Jewish family and my sister is like did become a doctor. She's a doctor for animals. She's a veterinarian, but she is Dr. Norwich. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my my booby, our grandmother is always very proud of that. And I think once um, when I was still pursuing acting, she offered to buy me a nose job. Because she, because she just wanted to support it. Thought if I didn't, um, you know, this um, schnoz that my family, wow, is our calling card that um, that that would that that would help. So, uh, so yeah, the 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 pushback, but also like the support. What? (laughs) There's some. But you know, I was. Yeah, my mom put me in drama classes, and my parents took me to theater. So it's it's not like um, it's not like I was you know hiding copies of Shakespeare or something. And uh, you know, I was in community theater with my mom. Like it was was something that we did together. It's it's just you know it's just something that I kept doing. I am I am trying to picture this scene where somebody is like, "Are you hiding Shakespeare under your bed? What is this? <laughs> How could you? How dare you?" Um, it's funny. Um, I remember for me, um, I was I was a kid who always thought that I wanted to do theater, and I remember the moment when I was you know having to choose university, college, all that stuff when I was in high school, and I told the guidance counselor. The guidance counselor was there with. They had all of their their all of their knowledge about where you could go to school for all of the things that they expected people to go to school for. And they said, so what is it that you want to do? And I said, I want to be an actor. And they said, I don't know how to help you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so I had, to, I had to do all that research myself because this into almost the entire school system was unprepared for that kind of answer to the question. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That checks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now you've talked we talked a little bit about some of the the highlights of of, of programming this year at, at Summerworks. Um and I'm curious if there are not necessarily shows, but maybe there are moments, maybe there are experiences, maybe there are things that are the things that you are most looking forward to for the festival this year for each of you what what is it that each of you are looking forward to for the festival this year it shouldn't be that hard to answer that but i think like i know for me i've i'm so just in the delivery like mode of it right now that it's a little hard to it's a little hard to even picture sure um what it might be like but there's um the first weekend of the festival which is the august long weekend is we had like a real flurry of uh programming activity like there's shows in all of our venues uh happening simultaneously there's a couple of really exciting one-off um events that are happening that weekend all at once and it's it's going to be the the busiest time i think 
Um, and I think it's in that sort of like electric festival way that things get. And as much as I'm like, I'm a little anxious for that weekend, I'm also like, oh, it's like, as we're pulling all this off, it's going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think, I think both with, you know, trepidation and excitement, um, moving into that weekend where there's so much activity, uh, I'm in a way looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in just to share, share some space with people, um, and share space with people that have, uh, a history and affinity and a love of summer works, um. Cause you know, when we first started, we were, we were thrust into an organization and like here, do this festival. And of course I experienced it as an audience member, but I think I'm really interested to experience it from the inside to understand what that energy is like and, and how that, that, how that manifests in my own, my own body. Um, mm. and, and, and yeah, just to understand what community looks like again, um, I think when I say I say again because you know it comes from this very tumultuous time again that we've been through, um, but also community for the first time, the SummerWorks community. What is yeah. that? I I really don't know what that is quite yet. I haven't really lived inside of it, so I want to understand what very selfishly my community looks like <laughs> for SummerWorks um, and what that community looks like for 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 all of us um, as we as we share space and and hold space for one another in August. Now, Morgan, for a couple of years, you worked in the office at the at the Toronto Fringe Festival. Yeah, and um, I imagine there are things that that about the workings of a festival that you only learn from being on the inside, <laughs> um, for good and for ill. Um, again, I'm not. I don't want you to spill tea, um, but I'm curious about um, uh, how how much of an understanding do you learn about a festival by basically having your fingers in the guts of it um i i think well so so much um but also you all of those um uh things that as a festival artist whether it's fringe or summer works uh or um any other kind of uh, event like that where you're you're making something under the umbrella of a festival or another organization uh, as an artist when you work on the other side the reason for all this stuff that didn't make sense to you and it just kind of clicks into place well it's like oh well that's why they need me to do this because um, the technician has to do this and right. uh, you know there's a the back end of the website has to be built. So, um, you know, there's a time I need to do this by. And uh, yeah, I think um, just just a lot of those uh, puzzle pieces kind of click into place. They're um, working in a festival environment. And then you also understand like why everybody's, you know, on walkie talkies and like really wired. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and there's something I, so specific about, sorry, I just want to interject for a bit. Just this idea of timeline that's very specific to festivals. That's not specific to say, you know, someone that's programming a season or that's programming, yeah. you know, one show at a time in different venues. A festival 
is such a culminating moment. And I like to call it the festival machine. There's just yeah. this layer and amount of work that leads to the festival that you can't really do f- too far in advance. You just you just can't timeline wise. So it always feels like a buildup um, to a really like uh, pinnacle <laughs> to the peak of something. And that yeah. that's something that if you're not working in a festival, you don't really quite have a tangible sense of. Um, and that's something through my experience working at festivals too, that like that, that machine and that buildup is, is something you just learn through experience, I would say. Yeah. Michael Morgan, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Michael, thank you for, for, I guess it's first thing in the morning for you. So thank you for uh, jumping on this call uh, so early in the morning. And uh, I look forward to uh, the Summer Works Festival this year. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. So much, thank you. This has been an episode of Stageworthy. Stageworthy is produced, hosted, and edited by Phil Rickaby. That's me. If you enjoyed this podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a review. Those reviews and ratings help new people find the show. If you want to keep up with what's going on with Stageworthy and my other projects, you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to philrickaby.com slash subscribe. And remember, if you want to leave a tip, you'll find a link to the virtual tip jar in the show notes or on the website. You can find Stageworthy on Twitter and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the complete archive of all episodes at stageworthy.ca. If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby. And as I mentioned, my website is philrickaby.com. See you next week for another episode of Stageworthy. Worthy.